Craft Beer Radio, episode 421, May 6th, 2017. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio. <laughs> Don't break Ding. your glass. Uh, we're, uh, we're back in the beginnings of May. The start of May. Ooh. May. What do we got, Jeff? Uh, we've got some beers. Three of them are brewery provided. Two of them are Dave provided. And one is Greg's Holbeck from Arizona. All right. So where do we start? Where do we start? I think we start with the Maybach. Okay. So this is from Free State. Dave provided this one. This is Maybach, Brinkley's Maybach. Uh, the malts that are used in this one, oh, sorry, first of all, it is 14 IBU, and where's the alcohol by volume on this? Don't say. That's odd. Unimportant. Uh, the malts are used are Pills, Carahel, Melanoidin, Munich, and Acidulated malt. Then the hops are used are Nugget and Herzbrucker. Enjoy by May 26th. All right. We shall. Beer pours uh, orangey gold. I'm surprised they just don't have the alcohol in here anywhere. Free State is in Lawrence, Kansas. <clears throat> Let me be your advocate, this guy. All right. So clear, golden, light head on it. The aroma. You're getting a little 6. bit 5. of... 6.5. Yeah. It's a little bit of toffee caramel. There's a little bit of kind of uh, vinous aroma on this. Almost like a, a grape... Uh, Grapevine, or you know, like in the droop of grapes, the kind of the woody stems smells a bit like that to me. So I haven't nailed nailed down anything. So definitely get a kind of woodiness and smell it again. It does. It has a bit of that um, kind of ivy like. Okay. Smell. Yeah, so uh, almost, you know, so when we talk about like vineousness or like the grapeiness, you know, a Kolsch will typically have things like that. Now, a Maybach and a Kolsch aren't very closely related generally. Getting more malt now and it's a little toasty, a little like white bread toast. It's not, yeah, I mean, I'm not really getting a huge amount of aroma out here. Mm-hmm. Flavor has a, you know, body that you'd expect. It's a little on the fuller side. It's um, malty, has a sweetness to it. Sweetness lingers. It's definitely malt forward and kind of that sweet body leaning forward. It's not very hoppy, not very bitter. Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of sweet. It's... <clears throat> A little porridge-like. Okay. Yeah, there's kind of uh, you know, porridge, grape nuts, you know, the, the barley right. is coming through. You know, it's kind of reminiscent of, like, you know, grape nuts on milk or something like that. 
or like a particularly sweet oatmeal, but without the oatmeal mm-hmm. slickness. But just like a you know, oatmeal right. for breakfast type thing. I did just get more of a hop flavor on that sip. It's kind of a little bit steely. It's um, so it's like spicy, not very floral, not very herbal. Hmm. It's a hard beer to get poetic about. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's it's got enough body to to not like, so you're not disinterested in the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, in line with what I expect for my buck. You know, it mm-hmm. kind of, it's filling the bill for my expectations yeah. for sure. But it's just kind of. It's not like a lot for me to be like, yeah, drink this. It's just kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. it's there. It's not doing anything that uh, that's bad. Uh, it's doing what you would expect it to do. But at the same time, I can't imagine just going to a bar and being like, man, I'm so glad I got this my Give me a second my Yeah, bar. right. No, I'm happy to have tried it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what I expected. Uh, I remember, you know, back in the day, in the uh, mid to late aughts, uh, you know, I'd be looking forward to Maybach season, and I remember Stouts had a great Maybach, which I haven't seen on the shelves lately. And, um, you know, a few others were out there, and it's kind of what you'd look for in March. And I haven't really looked for Maybach in quite some time. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, I mean, it's it's rather unexciting, is, is I guess the only way I could put it. It's just, it's it's a filling beer. It has enough sweetness to, you know, to keep you mm-hmm. occupied. And um, it, it with at six point five percent, it's you know it it will get you to a uh, sweet spot relatively quickly. I guess we should for. talk a little bit about my box versus box for people that might not be as experienced with box. So, so or with my box. So uh, a box, I would typically expect it to be, you know, this very. I don't know if sweet's the right word, but you know, it's this multi sweet forward beer. Uh, it has a lot of body to it. It's gonna be a little bit boozy, depending on on the on the production, the you know the producer of it. It's uh, kind of you know you think of it as a kind of a hearty, cold weather type type beer that's gonna give you that you know kind of uh, companionship that you need on a cold night. Where my box are kind of the springtime release. Um, same lineage, right? You're going to get a lot of the same characteristics. Uh, I, I tend to find that the Mybox, you know, a lot of the Mybox I have, they're kind of lighter in color. They're not quite as mm-hmm. toffee and caramel as as their Bach cousins are. And they can tend to have a little more hoppiness to them. Uh, you know, in this one, I only tasted a little bit of hops towards the end when I was, you know, maybe getting my palate zeroed in. But... Uh, yeah, I actually, you know, I haven't really thought about Maybach in quite some time. So when I saw this in the fridge, I'm like, yeah, let's let's do the Maybach. So the idea behind the goats being associated with box is because at least part of the one of the endearing rumors, I'm not sure how true it is, uh, is that since they're spring beers, spring is under the sign of Capricorn. And Capricorn being the goat, and that's where that goat thing comes from. Um, I don't know exactly. It could be more legend than anything else. And just 
something that's stuck around. Sounds normal. Sounds good to me. Oh no, the penguins have given up two goals this period. Oh no. Oh no. I just want to bring it back to Pittsburgh. Well, if you were watching, they probably nothing, better. There was nothing you could have done about it anyway. <laughs> Alrighty. Session IPA. Let's do the oats McDonald's. Should you want to do the half? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Half sounds good. <laughs> So, this is from Distill. Distill sent us a package. Thank you, Distill. This is their Weisenheimer Hefeweizen. 5.2% alcohol by volume, 16 IBU in a can. So, probably want to shake that up and yeah, I assume there's some yeasty good goodness yep. at the bottom. Let's take a look at the, at the notes for this guy. That's pretty much, you know, everything they told you. <laughs> the stills in Bloomington, Indiana, or Illinois, excuse me. Uh, they don't make it here in Pittsburgh, so we don't get to have them very often. But a little box showed up in the mail the other day, unexpectedly. So here we go. The beer pours, you know, as you would expect for a half of ice in this, this cloudy, strong, yellow. How... You know, a half a can of Hefeweizen in these beer snifters don't do wonders for Hefeweizen heads, so right. it's fallen down already. If you had it in a Weizen glass, it may well be puffed up still. Banana, a little bit of clove. Vanilla, a little bit of acetone. <sighs> I'm not getting the acetone. It's in there. Mm, let me smell yours. Oh, it's definitely in yours. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that half. <laughs> now I can smell it in here, too. Okay. Just that excited the... has a light body for mm-hmm. a Hefeweizen. You generally would be looking for a yeah. little bit more body to it. A bit watery. I'm not really... I'm only tasting the acid if I really look for it. Yeah, I mean, that first step, I didn't taste it too strongly. Bananas, you get a big uh-huh. banana kick there. Um, actually, more like a real banana than many Hefeweizens to me. Yeah. You know, we always say this banana descriptor, but it this is more like a real banana, like an un, a slightly underripe banana. It's got a nice uh, sort of prickliness to it, with with the sort of clovey notes. Like you said, though, it does feel a little underbody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a little bit of clove in there, but the banana is really leading leaving the show. I'm a, I don't have really have a problem. Like we, there was a little definitely acid on. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah. The tastes. I'm not really. It's not really strong enough that it's affecting. At least not apparently affecting the taste yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm going to keep tasting it and see if I can tease out more, more nuance here. While we're talking, there's a whole bunch of beer stuff to talk about. Oh my god, was there beer stuff? Where do you want to? I guess. We, I guess the biggest news is biggest news is uh, Wicked Weed, huh? That's that is probably the biggest news. Well, let's start with something on, on the nice side. So okay. Sam Claggioni won the James Beard Award. 
He was nominated uh, like seven years in a row or something. Mm-hmm. Finally won uh, best country's best beer professional, or it's like beer wine and spirits professional, actually. Mm-hmm. So good for you, Sam. Okay, on to Wicked Weed. <laughs> <laughs> we put it off for so long. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the big... I thought I thought the biggest story of the week was gonna be. Uh, you know the Sam Adams numbers and, and whatnot, right, yeah. and it turns out it's not. That's going to be like almost third. Uh, so yeah, Anheuser Busch purchased Wicked Weed. We did Wicked Weed recently. We did um, the big, pernicious, the pernicious IPA, which was really good. Coworkers, uh, family was yeah. visiting, brought some up. It was really good. I mean, even though their marketing speak was very <laughs> pernicious, yes, uh, the, the, they were they were. Craft beer darling. They're mm-hmm. in Asheville, mm-hmm. so super hot. and making amazing beers. They win all the medals, and you know it's like. So I saw on Twitter a tweet from Julie, who runs Brews and Ales, which is a beer store in Asheville, and it was just like, "Is there going to be a riot?" And I saw that before I saw the Wicked Weed uh-huh. news, right? So it was. I had a chuckle. When I put two and two together, I understood what her. Well, I, fi- I figured her quote was about the healthcare act or something uh, like that. <laughs> like, oh no! Well, a bunch of things happened. Like, Jester King pulled out of a collaboration with the Wicked Weed. There are a bunch of places in um, in North Carolina that are saying they're not going to carry Wicked Weed anymore mm-hmm. because of this, you know, big stigma about being bought bought out. Would, well, Jester King's. Blog post about it was and it kind of spelled out their motivations for it, right? And they're good friends with the people, but their biggest problem is that big beer like Anheuser Busch has been lobbying and marketing and you know doing anti-competitive what they call you know anti-competitive things. Now you can argue whether it's truly technically anti-competitive, but it feels anti-competitive to small brewer mm-hmm. to take shelf space, tap space change the laws to be more amenable to the bigger brewers, things like that. And Jester King, you know, just leaves. So now that their friends at Wicked Weed are on the other side, and this is kind of like what the Brewers Association's line is also about access to capital, access to markets, things like that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, they pulled out of the collaboration. They're not going to – they used to sell Wicked Weed at their pub, at their brewery, and, you know, no longer kind of things like that. Uh, there's you know there's other stories along those Seems. lines as well. I don't think the uh, it hasn't been disclosed for how much has it? It's not another billion no. dollar purchase, I hope. So if we're talking about sales and things like that, Tony McGee uh, sold the rest of Lagunitas to Heineken. Yep. This week, his story was an interesting reason too. It's like it's not like he's getting out of the game. It's they have. Uh, Lagunitas had like plans. They want to build a London brewery or UK brewery. They want to do this, but being like a partially owned subsidiary, they couldn't leverage the collateral to get the loans they needed to do what they wanted to do. But now that they're fully owned or whatever the technical uh-huh. is, now Heineken can. I believe fund it is they're a fully owned subsidiary, yeah. right? Because they yeah. could be let go at some point from from. Heineken. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what certain terms, partially owned, fully owned, mm-hmm. 50% ownership stake. You know, I don't know exactly what is and is not included in any of those terms in the details. But what he was saying was, you know, in their old orientation, 
they couldn't get the money out of Heineken to do the stuff they wanted to do in the new orientation. There's not the same barriers to get that money. But in the new orientation, you are now completely 100%. You're an employee. Yeah, whatever Heineken wants to do with you, that's what you're going to do because you don't have any leverage at all. You can make the case that this will be good for the business. Mm-hmm. But it's a risk. Yeah. I but it is it is the nature of these things. Um I I made a mention about there's an analogy that I had that maybe is a little bit incomplete, but there's the craft beer has always been kind of an anarchy in a sense, and there was sort of a collective community around it. And now we're seeing nation states develop essentially. Uh <laughs> and there's people who are just, you know, big fans of the anarchy, but it turns out the nation states are doing pretty well. So what do you do? Do you foster continual anarchy when that the the rise of of craft beer nation states is going to be inevitable in some kind of anarchy like this? Yeah, no, so, it seems like it's a good starting point. I, I, yeah, I don't. It's hard. I haven't. I haven't really thought through where it actually is really solid argument and where there might be some weak mm-hmm. spots or holes. But uh, on the other side of the story of all these purchases, uh, Garrett Marrero and Melanie Oxley from Melway Brewing Company were named 2017 National Small Business Persons of the Year. So I don't think they'll be selling out right away. <laughs> um, there was this... the. the that day, you you tweeted this thing. You you posted this thing from Andy Crouch, the beer scribe. Oh yeah, he said as the music starts to slow, it's almost cringeworthy watching some craft beers realize they're going to be left without a chair. Scary. This is this goes to the whole thing of well, I mean, the expansion of craft beer is slowing down. It's, yeah. And, no, I posted this because I mean you've been calling for gloom and doom. For the better part of five years now. I've been calling for the realization that it's going to slow down. Yeah. Right, right. We had probably a misunderstanding where we were defining bubble differently. Yeah. But once we got it sorted out. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Greg's been calling for this, and it's starting to look like a lot of what you were predicting. So kudos to you (laughs) for... Maybe you were a little early on the on the on the call, but uh, you got it in the end. I mean, it, it's it, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, I got it when it's it was inevitable. I was just saying what the inevitable was going to be. Right. Yeah, well, not unlimited everyone. constant growth is not something that's sustainable. <laughs> it wasn't unlimited. I you know I was optimistic the market was could support more, but um, okay. Did you happen to look at this this Birvana? Post about uh, chasing trends and trashing brands. Mm-mm. It's really good. It's okay. one of the best uh, like opinion pieces that I've read. Um, it's on the heels of Boston Beer's atrocious numbers, right? And you know he's kind of really harsh on uh, chasing uh, chasing trends damages the communication. Sam Adams has been doing it for so long that people regularly question whether it's craft beer or not. Uh, see Forbes, 538, Brighton, Roth, and more. Boston Beer has made a series of decisions that have resulted in short-term profits spinning off of alcoholic apple juice, tea, seltzer divisions, but they enhanced the sense that this was a big company as bland and personality-free as Kellogg's or Procter & Gamble. 
you know, no one could ever fault Sam for failing to release new beers. Uh, but ever multiplying new lines of random beer types, IPA, barrel-aged beers, nitro cans. Remember the nitro cans? Mm-hmm. Uh, has crafted a brew with no there there. If Jim Cook wanted at this late date to take Sam Adams back to its roots, where exactly would that be? The short-term decisions grew the volume, but they left the company with bereft of identity, unable to rely on passionate customer base ready to buy their next beer for any reason other than the price point. Predictability, sales, recent releases like Hopscape and Fresh Hellas have been anemic. And then, like, there's a caption here with some of these beers, Tasman Red, Third Voyage, Griffin's Bow, and The Vixen. And the caption is, remember these? Neither do I. <laughs> I do remember, yeah, uh, I remember three of those yeah. beers. Yeah, I know. We, you know, we, we took it. Because we, we were, uh, and still are in some in some points, champions of, of Sam Adams for, for doing what they have done for craft beer. And for never putting out a product that's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. But... Um, at the same time, there is something to say for having an identity, and it's clear all that Sam Meadows had in his identity was they're big. Yeah, he talked. The next paragraph. I'm not going to read anymore, but the next paragraph goes on about uh, Sierra Nevada and how like they're like teetering into that, like with that um, sidecar, that you know orange juice right. IPA or whatever. And he, you know, he says, you know, well, they, New Belgium has that. Thing too. I mean, they yeah. they put out that um, that awful mistake. <laughs> Which one was that? Uh, the the one that I really oh disliked. oh the whatever it was the one that just was yeah. bland completely bland yeah yeah I don't know it was a pounder can or something wasn't yeah it? yeah Mem- memorable. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a really good article. So this is on Beervana. And this is Chasing Trends and Trashing Brands. And it's it's one of the best um, blog opinion pieces that I've read in quite a while. I think he nails it. You'll agree with a lot of, you know, this whole market thing. And uh, it's real good. And, right. then he, and then I saw another thing on Beer Vana later in the week, I think, that Jeff's doing some, like, Well, let's get on the beers first stuff. before we jump into more articles. Sure. Uh, let's talk about... Uh, this one from Great Lakes. How about that? Okay. This is a pale ale from Great Lakes called Oats McDonald. This was uh, given to us by uh, Great Lakes. Oats McDonald had a farm. Yeah, this one isn't too Cleveland. The like I was trying to make the argument mm-hmm. last time. So they basically it's, it's a pale ale with oats is, is what their big thing is. And let me take a look at some of the more of the information on here. Five point seven percent alcohol by volume. Uh, part of their fridge filler variety pack. And they do have a fact sheet, so let's see if I can get some more information on it. Harrington Two Row is the base malt, oats and caramel 30. And the hops are, ooh, this is a new one, Jarillo, J-A-R-R-Y-L-O. Jarillo, Jarillo. ADHA881. Looks like I've I've clicked it before. <laughs> okay. Um Parentage of Summit G7 and ADHA9912 and 9926. Uh <laughs> Banana Pear Spice. Okay. Interesting. Named after Jarilo, the Slavic god of fertility and springtime. Ooh. The color of this is actually pretty copperish. 
Mm -hmm. Very clear, moderate head. Definitely hoppy on the nose. Um, I probably would have tried to peg it as grapefruit, pineapple, something or another, but now that you told me pear, I'm smelling pear. <laughs> It's interesting because it's basically, you know, it's a single hot beer. Mm -hmm. A little, if you really dig your nose in, it's a little on the sulfury side. So there's like almost like a bit of a Simcoe note in there as well. That little dankness that it has. Comes through a little bit in the flavor too. Oh yeah. Um has a light body to it like i was expecting a fuller weight on my tongue and it was nice and light not aqueous like that uh that other beer tonight you know it, it definitely feels well-rounded doesn't feel a little sloshy in the middle the body reminds me a little bit of a session ipa yeah but the the bitterness is very strong on here it's very deep and 35 ibu i would not have guessed it was that low in bitterness because there's a big lingering bitterness in uh, the very back of my tongue yeah, on the first two sips, the hops are over... I mean, I was going to say overpowering, but I don't mean overpowering. The hops are hiding any notice of oats. I'm not mm -hmm. picking the slickness in a body. I'm not getting kind of a porridge type taste. You know, right now, I can't tell if there's any oats in here. But as we get more custom to the hops, maybe it'll become apparent. To me, this just tastes bitter. It's pretty bitter, yeah. Um, so here's their flavor description. Fruity hop aromas roam free range through a bountiful field of oats and golden malt. All I'm tasting is bitter. I smelled fruitiness. I sm yeah, but I'm not tasting. And it's not like a, it's not like a citrusy pithy bitterness. It's kind of like a, um, sappy piney bitterness or something like that. It's so low on any flavor it just tastes almost like a chemical bitterness to me it's like yeah, I mean, that's, what I, was, that's yeah. what I was going for you know like because pine sap doesn't, yeah you know that's pretty uh, I can't say I'm a fan of this at all this is just, just scratching my tongue it's not in hand and not really like not enjoying the experience <laughs> which is the interesting thing about it is this is what I believe the brewer intended. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing off about the beer. Yeah, no, it's not spoiled. Um, yeah, I, the oats are not really showing up in anything apparent. There's no slickness that you usually get. Mm -hmm. Because that bitterness is just overpowering. Now I can't have any more of this. Do you want? No, I just put it right in the the mini dump bucket. <laughs> That's one of the good things cans have going for them. Yes. When you leave the dump bucket in the other room, you can still empty your beer glass. Okay, well, that was way different than I was expecting. Yeah, I finished mine. I It's fine, but it's, yeah, it's such a one-note bitter mm -hmm. thing. There's nothing really redeeming about yeah, it. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, you, you, you see a pale ale that says Oast McDonald has a big farm on it. Mm -hmm. You don't expect a huge bitter bomb like that. Yep, I'm with you. Okay. Do you want to do one of these stouts or do you want to do the Session IPA? Um, 
I, I want to get this bitterness out of me, so let's go for a stout. A bitter stout, okay. <laughs> Different kind of bitterness. I yeah. This one might be pretty smooth. We got the Mochaccino Milk Stout. Now, there's a note on uh, Empyrean Brewing Company's site that this beer is no longer, is currently unavailable. Oh, no. Uh, but that doesn't mean it won't be back in some way. This is aged in bourbon barrels, Ooh. 35 IBU. Uh, this is their Empyrean Brewing Company's Carpe Brewum series Mocha Chino Milk Stout. The malts that are used are two-row, biscuit, caramel, caramel 60, midnight wheat, roast, and black malts, Willamette hops, and there's lactose milk sugar and French roast coffee and cacao nibs. They're in Lincoln, Nebraska. This beer was best by April. 7.8% on coming by. Just a notch cut on the label. Old school. Passes test one. I don't smell acetone. I smell coffee and cocoa and that sweet kind of, you know, Nestle quick Yoohoo type smell mm-hmm. like a milk stout gives you. Yeah, this seems like this is going to have, you know, all those components to it. It's, uh, milk stouts typically are a little more opaque than your regular stout if you hold it up to the light because, you know, the the dissolved solids in there, or just, yeah, dissolved solids are a little more. Light blocking. Coffee's big on the flavor. Yeah. Uh, the sweetness of the lactose is coming through. Um, the cocoa comes in a bit at the end. Coffee is a little work coffee-esque. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's blended with the yeah. cocoa, the milk. You know, it has a bit of a coffee drink type flavor to it. You know, I, I'm not sure I've had a mochaccino, right? Which I guess is a mocha cappuccino or something along those lines would be my guess. But uh, it reminds me of those Starbucks like. Um, those cold ice coffees. Those cold ice coffees in terms of the flavors. The, f- the flavors are pretty similar. You get a little bit of a, of a sort of creaminess. You mm-hmm. get um, some of a coffee flavor, some of a chocolate flavor. Um, it's not exactly... It's not... Um, I'm not getting bourbon, really. And I'm not getting a whole lot of dimensionality to those flavors. But those flavors are decent enough that I'm... You know, enjoying it enough. I don't know. It's it's not like it's not one of those stouts that I'm all over. That that is like you know the ones that you say are like a warm hug. This is not yeah. so much a warm. Actually, hug. I think there's like a slight a slight bit of fusel alcohols in here. It's like a little burny thing that I'm getting on the back of my tongue. I, I suppose it's mm, wouldn't say I'm getting so much burning on the back of my tongue. Maybe maybe Bert. And not Ernie. So Jeff's pointing this one out. I think I will... Um, I'm okay with it. Okay. I wasn't uh, necessarily going to announce it, but... Oh, well, hey. More beer news. Well, we're, we're the honest show, right? <laughs> it's okay. It just wasn't really ringing my bell... I wonder where that bourbon is, right? That, that's what I want. I mean, maybe that was the oh, fusel thing you were tasting. It was a little bit of the. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was oxidation. I definitely think it was kind of like a like a hot like a hot alcohol ferment, you know, like a fusel fermentation or something like that. Um Best enjoyed by April. Yeah. I mean, not that far off. No, and the kind of beer should support it anyway. Uh, so we just had a Great Lakes. <laughs> there was this thing, this weird thing, where uh, at a uh, Cleveland Cavaliers game, LeBron James like picked up a beer from one of the vendors and was just goofing around. I, I don't know exactly what he did, you know, but he's just having a fun time with it, and it would turn out to be a Great Lakes Dortmund or Gold. So uh, Great Lakes was making hay of a meme, right? You know, like, you know, tweeting. I don't know. I don't have it here exactly what they tweeted, but uh, LeBron James was none too happy because NBA players are not allowed to endorse alcohol. Mm. And I guess... That's weird. Not allowed to endorse alcohol. Well, I guess it's probably because the NBA had probably an official license with... Well, there's that too, right? There's his brand that he has to protect, and you know, you wouldn't want. You know, I understand his point of view. You have a brand, and you don't want people making money off of your brand when you're trying to monetize your brand. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a copyright. But if you're in that personality, you got to be really careful what you do in public in front of TV cameras and and everything, right? Because you pick up a Great Lakes beer and goof around. You're kind of endorsing Great Lakes, or you know, you're. It's not that hard. I'm the not picture saying... is him looking very skeptically at the beer, so I don't know. Well, there's there's a couple <laughs> pictures. There's, I guess he said that he just drinks wine or something, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. But Great Lakes, I guess, I guess they made a beer when I guess, did LeBron James leave Cleveland for a yes. stint or something? Yes. And then they made a beer called Quitness or something like that. It was probably one of their brew pub beers. So, you know, he's probably not a big fan of Great Lakes to begin with. <laughs> Do you really think Le- LeBron James has that under on, on his radar? If you read the article, it sounds like he do- it is. And I think it's one of those things where somebody told him about it. Like, he's not... Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of weird, though, because they're both... He's done a lot of work to, you know, revitalize Cleveland and, you know, fix up neighborhoods and things like that. And that's kind of Great Lakes' MO, too. So <laughs> should never have left Cleveland then. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of like they're like frenemies, like it looks like to me, because like it seems like they should be on the same team. All right, so uh, I guess we'll go with the Session IPA from Upland. Sounds good. This is sent to us from Upland. Thank you, Upland. This is their Campside Session IPA. Uh, on the campfire that's on the label, it says, Brewed to Leave No Trace. That's a homage to low-impact camping. Right. Leave no trace, don't leave your litter. But at the same time, I figured it has something to do with uh, it not lingering on you. I know. Oh, or that's, the alcohol yeah. session. Right. It's probably For- more so that. Cool. 4.5% occupy volume, 50 IBU, and yeah. They saved over 75% of the hops used in this recipe to add after the batch was boiled. Um, 
This is probably one of the most vigorous notch cuttings I've ever seen on a beer label. Wow. It's like almost a half inch. It's over a quarter inch deep. Or like the one that was on the Maybach is like, you just barely can see where that notch is. Yeah. So this definitely says enjoy by uh, June 17. So we're early. <laughs> yep. Color is a straw-ish with slightly yellower tones to it. Lightly hazy. The aroma has a mango, orange. dried pineapple, orange. Nice, nice aroma. Mm-hmm. Kind of that new generation aroma. Yeah, so it'll be phase three-ish aroma on it. Mmm, mmm. Oh, tasting that mango, tasting that mosaic hop. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that, it's it's like a big punch of mosaic. For me, I'm not really tasting like a, a ripe, fleshy mango. I'm tasting things that are more. Oh, give me give me a second here. If you have something to say, say it. I'm going to try to figure out what I'm tasting. They don't mention the hops, but this definitely tastes like mosaic to me. It's mm-hmm. got enough of of a. Of a pineapple-ish, dried, like, you know, dried pineapple, yep. mango, and slightly orangey note that it really... Yeah. My second sip, I was getting more of that, you know, that signature, like, mango flesh-type flavor. Mm-hmm. But pineapple is definitely a big note, orange, like you said. Um, yeah, this is a good hop bouquet here. Not, you know, the hops are definitely leading the show, running the show. Yeah. The malt's just there to... Give the beer the semblance of balance, but it's not really adding anything particularly to it. Tastes a lot like, um, in terms of the mouthfeel, what I expect out of a session IPA, which is, you know, the hops really leading. There's uh, there's some malt background, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of, it's, you know, it's more aqueous than, than other IPAs. It has less body to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at 4.5%, I think it kind of, you know, it even fits in with the traditional session you know, if just barely. Right. Uh, a really nice array of hot flavors, especially after the stuff we've had today, which, again, nothing has been, like, terrible, mm-hmm. but this is the best flavors I've had tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's a nice, compact little beer. You know, it's not going to spread super wide with the different flavors, but I mean, it's doing a really good job of delivering those tropical citrusy flavors. Mm. Now, if you double IPA this with those flavors, nice malt backbone. Luscious. Mm. Are you listening, brewers? That's what (laughs) I want. Make beers for Greg. crazy how the pendulum swings (laughs) you know we were so dumb with ipas so long ago yeah but that i mean so that was like we we both are pretty much finished this so quickly and the other ones we were taking time on and trying to find things this one we're just like down down the hatch got crushed it really does i mean left no trace it's gone (laughs) the lacing on the glass what nice lacing on the Mm -hmm. glass all right final beer of the night you brought this one back we actually did this beer 
it rang a bell when I pulled out of the fridge. Booming rollers from modern times. Like, did we do that? And a quick grep of our text files showed that we did it in 2015 in April. So 6.8% by volume, 75 IBU. The malts that are used are two row carapils, crystal, ten, and wheat. And the hops, citra, motueka, and centennial. Oop. Sorry about your ears, everybody. Uh, Motueka came to our attention with Duclaw's. Um, the funny thing is, we've never really hit a huge vanilla flavor on right. any other Motueka beer that I can recall. So I think we need to stop looking for vanilla. Yeah, it could have been just something. It's kind of been like a, many beers are proof that it might is probably not there. But I think they mentioned on, on their description on their website that Booming Rollers is a showcase for Citra hops. So Motueka is not really the mm-hmm. uh, number one hop being used here. Comes in a pounder can. But they mention, so so I'll just read this, uh, amplified with the dark stone fruit character of New Zealand-grown Motueka hops. And that may be part of what the vanilla thing comes from. If there is a like stone, stone fruit, fruit character... Then if you wouldn't dark stone fruit be like plums? You would think so, right? But yeah. uh, if you attenuate that right, if you put the right you know ingredients in there, you could kind of get a vanilla okay. note out of it, I suppose. <laughs> Just I'm playing. <laughs> you in... squint really hard. Yeah. It smells really juicy. Mm-hmm. Hop wise. Like I like I just took a whole bunch of hops and just sort of squeezed it in my hands and then smelled that, especially there. The um, it is really juicy when you move on to the flavor. And you remember the uh, oh, the old yeah. remember the old Nugget Nectar logo uh-huh. where they're squeezing a hop like an orange and right. it's dripping juice. <laughs> that's the that's what this tastes like. Except know? it's not a terrible hop like Nugget. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to anybody who likes Nugget. Um, but Nugget was was a, a, a sulfur delivery system, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Citra here is giving you a bit Clementine. There, I'm getting a little bit of like green onion or something on it too. There's something a little bit oniony. There is a vanilla note on here. Is there? Yes. I'll have to find it. You could call it stone fruit if you were so inclined. But I prefer to think of it as more of a vanilla, vanilla note. <laughs> it's it's after you take a sip and you're kind of taking that, like you said, Clementine, I think mm-hmm. is a really good call. There's a bridge between that and some of the maltiness, and there's sort of some vanilla leaking out. Okay. I'll keep looking for it. I'm not saying it's not there, but... Hasn't become apparent just yet. Now, have we had City of the Sun before? Because that has Mosaic, Simcoe, and Motueka. No, I don't think we have. Modern Times is in San Diego, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But they were available in Australia. 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 (laughs) Why do I keep doing that? (laughs) 
He found a wormhole, my friend. He got there in only four and a half <laughs> hours. I think Arizona, I, I was substituting Australia for it. <laughs> no, it's probably not available in Australia, but it's available in Arizona. They both start with an A. I don't know. They're on the West Coast. I wouldn't discount Australia. It could be possible. I, it doesn't seem like they would have that kind of distribution power. I mean... No, Greg's listening. He'll chime in if he's ever seen uh, Modern Times in he's New Zealand. He's in New Zealand, not Australia. He's like a thousand miles away. <laughs> a thousand miles away? Yeah, it's pretty far away. Maybe I'm the one. I would... I'm not saying it's like... I'm not saying you can paddle a canoe uh, across. But... Hey Siri, how far away is New Zealand from Australia? She's not going to be able to figure that one out. My watch is now. Wellington, New Zealand is about 1,448 miles from Can- Canberra, Australia, as this crow flies. Damn. <laughs> All right. I was going to make that swim one day. They're far away. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, the Pacific's too big. I you're, lost You're thinking my... that Mercator projection where everything... There you go. That's, <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably it. Yeah. It's probably the map projection of that Mirai squishes it and makes them closer together. I'm, as I'm drinking this, I'm getting like a lupulin burn on the back of my throat, almost like something that's like super dry hopped or even wet hopped. It's just, I mean, there's a lot of hops in here, yeah. I think. It's, it's, but I mean, I'm getting like that, like that, like that legit lupulin type flavor now. Um, Where, you know, it's starting to like, you know, cake on the top of my mouth and like, you know, just kind of zing me a little bit. I like that. So I have nothing bad to say no, about this at all. No, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's... It's an aggressive flavor. Yeah. And you just, people need to be ready for it. But this is the kind of thing where if I'm at a bar and there's one of these, especially on tap, I, I would go nuts for it. I I love it. It's phase three. You know, it's 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 right in my wheelhouse of good IP. I just got your, I just got the vanilla. And it went really well with kind of that clementine mm-hmm. orange, a little bit of pith. Yeah, I just hit it. It's almost. It feels like it was kind of. I took more of a, more of an abrupt sip as opposed to right. a detailed let it linger sip, and that's where it became apparent. Tough race for number one on this one. I think there's uh, there's good reasons for these last two to both be in the number one spot. All right, so. Last place for me, I'm going to put the uh, the Weizenheimer from Distill. It, uh, so I, you know, I'm not, not, not even because I smelled kind of that acetone infection. Uh, for a, oh, half a Weizen, I went something with like double the body that thing had. It was, it was light on the body. The banana flavor was neat. Uh, I liked how it had this kind of like, just the day underripe banana type flavor to it. A lot more real deal banana than almost anything I can think of where I've said it has banana flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was neat. There was a little bit of cloviness in there. Not too much to really be consequential. And, and that was the distilled Hefeweizen. In fifth place, 
We're going to put the Mochaccino Milk Stout from Imperian Brewing Company. It has some good things going in there. I the coffee, the the cocoa was pretty light, but the the lactose, the the kind of creamy milk uh, coffee drink type flavor in there was going well. Uh, I was I really got hung up on the kind of like burny fusel alcohol thing. I, I think maybe the barrels might have introduced something mm-hmm. into the beer. It, it's at the end of its shelf life. It's slightly past the end of its shelf life, so maybe there was a little bit of something festering in the bottle. Um, you know, that was enough to, for me to really knock it down. I'll put the Free State Brinkley's Maybach in fourth place. Uh, this was a clean beer, a fine beer, an unexciting beer. Where does that one go? I didn't forget about it. Okay. I didn't forget about Um Yeah, no, I'm just going to stick with this. Uh Greg's shaking his head like, hey, you're such an idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I've, you and I agreed that there was nothing there but bitterness on the Great Lakes. And for you to put this below the bitterness bomb, I don't know. It's your, it's your yeah, list. I, think, I guess you're right. I mean, to me, they're really close in... Eh? <laughs> um, Which one would you voluntarily drink more of? I'd probably drink. I'd probably drink more of the Oaks okay. McDonald actually. Well, then, then it's the right ranking then it's for the right it. Ranking. Yeah, the um, the Brinkley's was fine. So drinking more of you know the the sweetness on that one was like getting a little a little much for me, and I, I wouldn't drink two of those. I can see, imagine a case where okay, okay, so I'm at a picnic and there's beers in the cooler. I don't think I would drink two Brinkley's. I would drink two Oats McDonald's in that kind of situation. Okay. Right. So that's kind of my deciding factor on that. At the bar, I wouldn't drink two of either. <laughs> um, so the Oats McDonald, yeah, it's it's it didn't deliver what I wanted. I wanted an interesting take on oats in a pale beer. I, I wanted to see what an oated hoppy beer could be. I wanted an oated pale ale. And... This wasn't just not an oated pale ale. It was bitter water. It was bitter water. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah pretty disappointing, but it, in in all, it was the it was more drinkable to me than than the the Maybach. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of I am a little tormented on that decision because I said it's the Maybach was right in line with my expectations for a Maybach. Mm-hmm. But in ranking, I not really feeling the Maybach. It's up so. to you. Look, I, I gave you my one challenge, and you, yeah. you kept with it, so yep. I'm cool. All right, Upland Campside Session IPA is going to be in second place. I, I thought that had some good stuff going on in it for sure. Um, the mango, pineapple, phase three, hopping, well done. You know, the the lower alcohol. But like you mentioned, if that was like a imperial... With more saturated hop flavors and a nice uh, mm-hmm. caramelly melt backbone to it. Oh, my God. And then we get to uh, Modern Times Booming Rollers. And I didn't pay attention to what we ranked it last time, but I, this was yummy, yum, yum, yum. 
I, I really enjoyed the flavors in this, mm-hmm. nice saturated hop flavors. It was canned about two months ago, and it still tasted really fresh. Mm-hmm. Super me. fresh, yeah. And um, it was good, really and good. That it came across, you know, across the country, and it survived with a plum. My rankings are in sixth place. I'm putting the Great Lakes because I did not enjoy that at all. It was a big, bitter water bomb. Nothing about it was particularly enjoyable to me. The only thing I could say about it was there wasn't anything wrong with it. Right? That there wasn't like a, right. a, a problem with it. But uh, unenjoyable. Like nails on, on, on the chalkboard to me. Uh, in fifth place, then I'm going to put the, um, uh, excuse me while I sneeze. Shoot! Ugh. Ugh. Gross. We'll take that out in post-production. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'll put the, uh, Empyrean, the Mochaccino Milk Stout, the Carpe Broom one. The reason why, uh, is because it just kind of tasted kind of like a sweet, sugary, caffeine drink that you would get at uh, at the grocery store or something and yeah, but that's kind of what they were going I mean it's kind of, it is kind of what they were going for I agree that's what they were going for but just I mean not yeah, yeah I'm not saying change your rankings yeah. for it, but I'm just saying in their defense it's exactly what they were going for the the still in fourth place had uh, some problems there was some acetone on, on the aroma but I, I kind of liked the flavors that was getting out of it I wish it had a little more of a full body in third place, I'm going to put the Free State uh, Maybach, the Brinkley's Maybach. I, like you said, it's exactly what you would expect out of a Maybach, but that's kind of it. It didn't really have anything um, that I was uh, particularly like jonesing on. In fact, the, the first really enjoyable beer of the night was in second place for me, the Upland. Uh, that was the one where I was like, yes, there we go. There are those flavors I'm really looking for. Whereas, I mean, like, any of these beers could have been really enjoyable to me, but the Upland was the first one where I was like, yes, this is this is what I'm looking for. But the modern times are just better. Part of the reason is just because it has more more body to it, more uh, stuff going on. And like we said, it, I mean, and like you said, if the Upland was imperialized um, or just or just turned, yeah, just turned to a regular IPA, which I guess is imperialization from a session IPA, uh, then it, it, it would have been a... Uh, a tougher competition, but uh, modern times in first place and up in second place, and the rest, you know. <clears throat> eh. Eh. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to support us, you should go to craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon. Greg is kicking himself right now because he had some new music that he wanted to play for the commercial. Oh. You have to wait till next week now to play it. And. Uh, Craft Beer Radio is released on the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, you can hit us up on Twitter at craftbeerradio. At craftbeerradio.com. At Jeff Bear. <laughs> at CBR Greg. Uh, you can hit us up on uh, MySpace and Friendster and Napster and... <laughs> um. What were the other Napster clones? There was a there was a CompuServe, jeez, oh, Prodigy. <laughs> yes, on Prodigy we are uh, two six Klondike five <laughs> dot pl nine four 
Seven Jasper. Okay. What other things do you think of? Um, on the IUP VAC system, you can... <laughs> Bring out your big 20s, everybody. <laughs> Rock them like you don't got them. <laughs>